Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, a little special treat today, a chance to talk to Sam Farmer, the great columnist with the L.A. Times. He'll be coming up in just a minute from Los Angeles, making his way this weekend to Tampa, of course, where the Rams will play the Bucks in the NFC Divisional Playoff game. A little bit of news on Wednesday. Bruce Arians, I, I mean, we all saw the video. Me, Steve and I have talked about this, of course, Steve. We, we've discussed it on the podcast. But, you know, during that game, uh, there was a punt to Jalen Rager, uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles last week in the wild card game. He muffed the punt. He was hit immediately by Scotty Miller. Uh, the Bucks recovered the punt. But during the scrum, during the pileup, Andrew Adams, the Bucks' safety, was sort of trying to pull Eagles players off the pile. And that is something that you can get penalized for. Bruce Arians, who was on the Bucks' sideline, Bruce Arians, bad Achilles and all, kind of hobbled over. Um, and he swiped at and made contact with Adam's helmet as if to get his attention and then kind of lunged at him and tried to pull of him, pull hold of him uh, to keep him away from that pile and prevent a penalty. And that that's what he has told us. Well, on Wednesday afternoon, right before um, we had media availability with Bruce, the NFL fined Bruce Arians $50,000. Now the amount is not necessarily something to worry about. I mean, Bruce is a multimillionaire. He can handle that, but I, Steve, I can't remember the last time that a coach, a head coach, was fined for something like, you know, a, a contact with, and, and in this case, his own player. Um, much less, I, I'll be honest with you, and I'm trying not to, you know, not, not just because I cover the team, I could care less really uh, in terms of whether Bruce gets fined or not, but it's, I'm, I'm trying to be objective about this. I felt like he sort of brushed his helmet. He didn't shove him. Uh, he didn't bat him up against the head. Regardless, the NFL said this is a bad look. We don't want you to do this again, and here's a $50,000 penalty. Yeah, I can't remember. I mean, normally, you know, what coaches get fined for either breaking, you know, protocols or that or, you know, ripping officials, things like that. You don't yeah. see it for this. Um, I, I thought it was quite, quite excessive myself. I mean, I, I, mm -hmm. I, you saw the video. Did you think there was any intent there? Well, not not to. I mean, I, again, I guess you know it's it's one of those. You know, the NFL first of all is all about optics, and if you don't believe that, then you would understand why nobody has tested positive for COVID during the playoffs. <laughs> uh, you know, all year long, of course, these guys were subject to uh, testing once a week. Even if you're vaccinated, they got to the postseason. They said no testing unless you're symptomatic. Well, guess what? Not one player in the NFL has had a symptom where they went in and tested positive for COVID, even though the variant is surging across all 50 states. So um, that's my long way of saying, uh, you know, if it looks bad, um, they want to address it. Otherwise, don't pay too much attention to, you know, Oz behind the curtain here. But I think it was more about the optics of, of this. I think, you know, I, I had heard from, Mike Florio and some others that there were some league officials when it occurred on Sunday that said, ooh, that didn't look good. Not very happy with that. 
Um, so, you know, Arians on Monday was not apologetic. He was unapologetic, basically. He says, I've seen enough dumb, and I didn't want my guy going in there and getting penalized, and so that's why I did it. He didn't regret it. I still don't think he regrets it. He's going to appeal it, but all he can appeal it to is, is uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell because the coaches don't have a union. This is not an NFLPA situation where you have an appeal process and you have arbiters and all that stuff. Um, so either Roger Goodell or someone appointed by Roger Goodell will review this if he wants to appeal it. But I think in the end he's probably going to get stuck with a 50K. But um, I don't know. And we've not had a chance to talk to Andrew Adams, obviously, you know, in this world of Zoom calls and things like that. Um, we haven't had a chance to ask his opinion of it. But it just it, it didn't seem like that much. But by the same token, I, can, I, I do understand what this league is about. And it's about optics and, you know, they don't want – you know, some coach coming off the sideline, like we said before, going Woody Hayes on a Clemson player. But in this case, it was his own guy, and it was looked seemed you know pretty harmless to me. I think the only thing that um, probably the only one that got hurt in the situation was probably Bruce because I think he strained his Achilles that he was trying to protect with the ice on it uh, by going out there. If anything, uh, if there was any damage at all, it was to him. So anyway, that's that's what transpired uh, on Wednesday. Uh, you know, more no real injury news because, you know, simply those guys were in a walkthrough practice. Very hard to determine who's practicing, who's not. They're all standing around out there doing the same thing. Uh, had they practiced, though, you have to designate which players would not have practiced had there been one. And uh, that included guys like Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen. Um, we still haven't heard whether Leonard Fournette is coming back, although he said some things on um, you know, on his social media that would indicate that he that he plans to, you know, so just not a whole lot of, of uh, injury news. I think it's going to be later in the week, um, probably much later in the week before we really understand what they're going to have to do on the offensive line. Maybe maybe even a game day decision with guys like Tristan Wirfs. Um, they've got some options. Um, you know, they talked about Alex Caput, right tackle, and Aaron Stinney at guard. Um, you know, there's some other things they could do, but, um, at this point anyway, I think it's, it's a little too soon. And, you know, I, I, I do know that they're concerned. I, I think, I I think that's the one thing that, you know, could certainly hurt them against this Rams defense, which is very, very good and gotten better with the additions of Von Miller. Obviously you got Aaron Donald in the middle of that defense, which is always a problem. Jalen Ramsey, who can absolutely travel and cover Mike Evans, if that's what they choose to do, or you could double Evans and let him, uh, you know, cover the slot receiver or blitz off that edge or whatever. Uh, a lot of options there, you know, for the Rams on defense and for Raheem Morris, who comes home and um, when I say home, he comes back to where he was the head coach and he's now the defensive coordinator of the Rams. Of course, they won in week three. That's to their advantage. Matthew Stafford got the monkey off his back. We'll talk all about uh, the Rams and the Bucks and break that down for you on tomorrow's podcast. But I just I don't know how to anticipate which offensive linemen are going to make it back, and, and we'll have to wait and see about Leonard Fournette, although I'm a little more confident about him. The key to him is going to be can he run full speed. He, he wasn't able to go full speed without feeling some sort of twin, some sort of pain, and so uh, until he can do that at, 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 uh, at full speed, they're not going to let him be cleared to go back up on, uh, on the field. Hey, folks, the 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg presented by RP Funding. It happens this February 25th. To the 27th, they moved it up a little bit. Of course, it's a tremendous event. Have that temporary circuits. It's a 1.8-mile, 14-turn configuration. They use the streets of downtown St. Petersburg. They circle 
Pioneer Park, the Duke Energy Center for the Arts, the Daly Museum, and extend onto the runways at Albert Whitted Airport. Visit gpstpete.com for race information and tickets. All right, the great Sam Farmer from the LA Times joins us now. Sam, thanks for much uh, consideration of doing this. I, I do appreciate it. I wanted to start, this was a little bit of news here <laughs> this afternoon uh, in Tampa. Our good friend uh, Bruce Arians, who you know all too well, uh, was fined $50,000. I don't remember something quite like this. You know, he came off the bench to try to get Andrew Adams' attention. Uh, Andrew Adams was pulling some, some Philadelphia players off the pile uh, after a fumble, a muff fumble by the Eagles. And he's going to appeal this. I don't know if you've seen the video. I think he probably uh, heard his Achilles trying to do it more than he heard Andrew Adams. But what do you make of the league saying, hey, you can't do this? Well, you're right. This is, uh, <laughs> I have not seen the video, so I need to see that. But, uh, you know, it really bothers me that the, the league is so capricious on these, these fines and what they do and don't do and who they find and don't find. Um, and, you know, officiating to this point has been way too much of a story in the playoffs. Um, you know, yeah. a well-officiated game they're not going to be a story at all, and you're not going to hear about officials. Um, I, again, I haven't seen the video. Um, I think a lot of Bruce, and, and uh, I know he respects the game, and, and if, he's, uh, if he's pushing back on this, he must have good reason for pushing back on it. Um, again, I think um, officials should be neither seen nor heard, actually, <laughs> and they've been way too much of a story to this point. Yeah, they really have, and, and uh, unfortunately, I think it's going to probably continue as the playoffs go on. So that's why we're talking. You're headed to Tampa. Of course, the L.A. Rams uh, are going to play the Buccaneers in the divisional um, playoff game here at Raymond James Stadium. The Rams would have had the number two game, uh, number two seed. This game probably would have been played or would have been played in Los Angeles had they taken care of business at the end of the year. Um, they didn't do that. Matthew Stafford was a little wobbly uh, towards the end of the season, but, boy, they bounced back in a big way against the Arizona Cardinals. So what, what is the feeling there, first of all, just about, about the Rams? They've added some pieces. We can talk about those. But in general, have they, have they got everything going? Have they got the kind of momentum they need to make a deep run here? Well, uh, if you'd asked me a week ago, I would have said uh, they're really shaky. And right now, I'd say they look great. So that's been the story of the season a little bit, where they, uh, you know, were great out of the gates, uh, played the Bucks early, beat the Bucks early. Uh, then they had a three-game losing slide. And, and in those each of those three games, Matthew Stafford had a pick six. And then they go on a five-game winning streak, first since 2018, and then they lose to the Niners uh, for the six consecutive times. So, um, you know, it's been a real sort of up and down, what are we going to get? And what Matthew, Matthew Stafford are we going to get? You know, that's, a, that's another aspect of this. Um, certainly coming off a high right now, but, you know, they were playing the Arizona Cardinals, and, and Sean McVay's only lost to them once in his career. Um and so that was expected that they would uh, take care of the Cardinals. Um, I think people, are, that game in particular, uh, and I'm sorry for the freeway sounds here in the background, that game in particular, um, you could really feel 
what the NFL in Los Angeles could be and what they wanted and what they talked about with the team returning. There was real energy and electricity in SoFi Stadium. It was loud. Kyler Murray was going to a silent count. But, you know, the, the prior game in SoFi, San Francisco, um, the stands were red. And so, mm. again, it's a, it's a bit of a grab bag. Um, I think they feel good playing Tampa. There's a team that beat twice in the last two years. They match up well against them. And um, uh, they are not a team that has struggled mightily playing on the East Coast. They've, they've played pretty well. Yeah, they certainly have. And they've, they've added to their group of players. Of course, they lost some receivers as well during the year. Um, but uh, Odell Beckham Jr. comes in there. I'm curious how he has worked out. And it looks definitely like they've helped their defense with Vaughn Miller. Yeah, both of those guys, um, you know, typically, as you know, at this time of the year, you're talking about attrition and who's healthy and next man up. And uh, they seem to be going the other way. Both uh, Odell Beckham and Vaughn Miller are uh, sort of, um, you know, certainly Odell Beckham learning the playbook, more and more integrated in the offense. And Vaughn Miller's gotten a few sacks and and that's a, uh, an imposing defensive lineman that's playing well with Aaron Donald and Von Miller and, and Leonard Floyd coming off the edge. Um, but they've also added uh, Cam Akers, and that was a real unexpected thing. Cam Akers, great running back as a rookie for them, and, and Matthew Stafford was really excited about playing with Cam Akers. A little bit like Joe Mixon, um, sort of a guy who can great sort of inline speed, not super explosive. Uh, uh, laterally, but uh, a fast guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, almost like a Ricky Waters kind of guy. And um, it's unexpected. He tore his Achilles uh, right before the start of training camp, and no one expected the DVB back. He'd be back and practicing in December, and then and then back with the team. And and uh, you know, I've noticed something about um, Sean McVay and sort of his. Um, his coaching style, the spotlight swings to a different player at all times. It's not a, you know, you'd think that Cooper Cup would be the centerpiece of this offense, but one week, like this last game, it was Odell Beckham and it was Cam Akers. Another week it might be Van Jefferson or it might be Tyler Higby, the tight end. Cooper Cup always gets his catches. Uh, it almost seemed like a uh, a, a bad game or just sort of uh, an afterthought, and yet he had a touchdown in the last game. So it's like, even if he scores a touchdown, it's an afterthought. That's how prolific, prolific he is. But, you know, it could be Sonny Michelle. So they, he is constantly swinging the spotlight around to different players. He used to be Robert Woods, uh, more so, I think, than, than typical coaches. Yeah, Sean does a great job. It's a great matchup between him and Todd Bowles, and Sean's gotten the best of them. The guy who's gotten the best of the league, you just mentioned him. And I, I, I have watched this guy play a couple times in person. He's virtually uncoverable. I can't quite figure out. You know, a lot of guys have, have said that he, he is similar in, in, in uh, body size and, and ability to, to like a Chris Godwin that we see a lot. But Cooper Cup, I mean, the numbers he put up were stupid, right? And it's a different league, and I get all that. And we can talk about records in 17 games. Um, I simply don't remember uh, and there hasn't been a receiver put up you know be this prolific but what is it about him in particular that has made him such you know such a force because 
He's had bigger games against the Bucks in three games than he had in seven games against the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, he is a remarkable player. Came from Eastern Washington, totally came out of the blue. And uh, really how the Rams discovered him, if you go back, uh, he was at the Manning Passing Academy. One of the, you know, obviously that's a, that's pretty much a quarterback's camp, but, but um, there are receivers there too. There's got to be somebody on the other end of those passes. And um, Peyton and Eli do a little exhibition where they um, have a passing contest with the kids and, and show the whole range of kids. Uh, I would imagine you've been there to the Manning camp but um, they, uh, so it's a little exhibition they do. And Peyton, um, Les Snead, the general manager of the Rams, happened to be there at the passing academy and was watching. Peyton told his brothers, I get Cooper Cup. This is my receiver. Uh, nobody else gets him. He's my number one draft pick. And then Cooper Cup did what Cooper Cup does. Um, it's funny. Nobody says Cup. Everybody says Cooper Cup. Everybody says his full name. Uh, he, he he does what what he always does, and he was a great receiver and and uh, super precise routes and quick and quicker than you'd expect and and uh, uh, you know selling out to catch the ball. And and Les Snead said, you know what? If Peyton Manning says this is my guy, this is my number one pick, that tells me something. And that's really planted the seeds for them drafting him, and then he ran a bad 40 at the Combine, and the Rams were cheering his, his slow 40 time, <laughs> thinking this guy's going to slip through, and sure enough, he did, and they were able, able to get him. But he is, uh, you know, three generations of NFL players. His grandfather uh, played for the Saints with Archie Manning. His dad was a, wow. a good player, good quarterback at Pacific Lutheran uh, who was – you know, kicked around a little bit as a third quarterback with the Cowboys behind Aikman, and um, and then Cooper just all clicked. He's he is a smart. He's a good guy. He is super football savvy. He is um, just able to get skinny and uh, get find those holes and then make plays after the catch. A lot of people. I'm glad you said that that he's like Godwin in build because a lot of people think he's like Danny Amendola or something. He's not. He's, he's mm, no. 6'2 and, and solid, and, and uh, uh, he's not a little receiver. Um, but he certainly he has risen to uh, high stardom, potential superstardom in L.A., uh, which is not easy to do because really it's the Lakers and Dodgers town. And uh, it, once it becomes a full-on Rams town, he will be a superstar. Yeah, no, I, I, I've been impressed with him, and uh, it, it's just amazing what he's been able to do, um, you know, this, this past year with all the records and all of that. One of the best events in our area, it's the 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, set on the downtown streets of the Sunshine City, and presented by RP Funding. It's going to kick off Florida's spring break season with some high-speed excitement. Go visit gpstpete.com that's gpstpete.com for race information and tickets another racing season is starting right here in St. Petersburg Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to get your thought on Matthew Stafford because I, I really believe like this, you know, they kick Jared, they, they trade obviously Jared Goff, which uh, they had had quite an investment in. He goes to Detroit of all places and they bring in Stafford, which I thought was a great idea. I mean, it reminded me a little bit. It's not, obviously he's not Tom Brady, but for the Rams, um, you know, this was a guy who could, who could zing it right. And had a high football IQ that uh, Sean McVay loved. Uh, he got off to an incredible start. And then he, you know, the last month or so obviously wasn't really good. And, and there was this monkey on his back about never having won a playoff game. Well, now he's done that, but he only threw the ball, only had to throw the ball 17, 18 times in this past game. So are, are the Rams fans sold? Are the Rams sold on, on Matthew Stafford? And do they, you know, do they think, or do they think that there might be, you know, some more ups and downs here uh, for him as the games get bigger? I think the Rams are, you know, I, I don't want to even say I think. I know the Rams are so well-established. They love him. They think there's no way they would be in this position, even in this position, without Stafford. They, and he is mm-hmm. different uh, from Jared Goff in lots of ways, but one of them is you can really pile the game on his back. Uh, and yeah. that's not to say he's going to win it all the time, but we've seen it. We've seen it in Detroit winning games at the end of games and, and uh, all the fourth quarter drives that he had, I think he's got 34 or something, uh, winning drives in the fourth quarter overtime. But uh, but we've also seen the bad, bad Matthew Stafford surface, and that's, you know, multiple interceptions, uh, sort of head scratchers, deep flings down the field that come up short and, and get picked and into double coverage and, and you think, where did that come from, from a guy who can really mousehold the ball on some of those throws? I mean, some of those you're like, wow, that was just the tiniest crack of a mail slot of a, of a window, and he squeezed the ball through there. It was perfect. And there's a different quality, too. It's like when you see a, a, a tour player drive on the driving range. There's just a different sound. There's mm. a different sound when Matthew Stafford throws a ball than when a lot of guys throw a ball. It's like a... It's just, you know, uh, he's got he's got all that. I kind of liken him to go back to golf a little bit to a guy who's in the woods and always looking for the hero shot. You know, you see that crack of light between the trees, and you can see this the mm. flag. Um, now you could punch out to the fairway, you could throw it away, but it never feels like, or it, it, <laughs> less so than than most quarterbacks. Does Matthew Stafford throw the ball away? Um, he has such trust and belief in his right arm that he's going to try to thread it through the trees for the flag. And um, mm. I think that's gotten him into trouble. Now, some of those things, as I said, that's not necessarily the throw, throw down the middle of the field. But I think it is sort of the trust. in, And some of that might have been, you know, Rick, some of that might have been Playing with Calvin Johnson all those years where a 50-50 ball was really yeah. a 90-10 ball, 
and you just put it up to a receiver like that, to a big receiver. They had a uh, they had a four AA uh, playing there, a tight end who was like six eight uh, in Detroit. The Rams don't have big receivers generally, um, tall receivers. These Rams aren't at least. And 50-50 balls are true 50-50 balls. And so some of those might be that. Some of them are breakdowns in protection. And uh, and some of them are just bad mistakes. But he sure has been a surgeon in a lot of instances and throwing passes that make you do a triple take. Like, wow, that was awesome. So I think people in L.A. are excited now to see how far he can take it. He's now gotten this albatross off his neck of never having won a playoff game. I mean, people have to, the caveat has to be that, yeah, he was playing for the Detroit Lions. Um, they didn't have that many opportunities, but but that's behind him now. I think he comes in, uh, he's in a good position to have a good game. Yeah, I, I think he is too. And, and I think running the football like they have been doing, um, you know, and being balanced will certainly help them as well. I read a stat the other day because I know I know you've followed Tom Brady. No, Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady has actually called you, which is something that you have over most of us. Um, but you know, he he has had another year where, unlike in some ways, any other, right? He had the most passing yards of his career, uh, forty three touchdowns. Um, you know, by far the most completions in NFL history. All of that. And I saw a stat the other day where Troy Aikman, who you knew and covered very well. Um, his entire career, Hall of Fame career, that Troy Aikman threw as many touchdown passes in his career as Tom Brady has thrown since he turned 40. Okay, so it's crazy, right? Like, in his 40s, he's had a Hall of Fame career. Can this guy, I mean, when you look at it from afar, and they've had tons of injuries this year, and they had all the pressure of the defending champion, what do you make of what we're still watching from Tom Brady and and how I mean I think it looks like he could do this till he was fifty. I don't know that he's going to, but what's your what's your twenty five hundred mile view of of what Brady has done in Tampa? I, it's Ripley's, believe it or not, he's a freak show. I mean, you, it, the fact that he is not only uh, retained the velocity on his passes when he came to Tampa, he actually improved. Uh, is so bizarre and so. Uh, counter to what we've seen with guys like Peyton Manning and Drew Brees and quarterbacks who get at the end of their career, in the twilight of their career, they're sort of finding new ways to make par. I keep making these golf analogies. Uh, the end of the season must be near. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. he, but he is, um, you know, you talk. It's like reverse dog years. Uh, you know, he he his years are much longer than our years. Uh, in the, he's got that much left in the tank. Really amazing. I mean, everybody at that level is going to take care of their body. So it's just a, uh, it's freakish. And, and he was in for so many years in that same system, had good protection, gets the ball out of his hands very quickly. I think that's a, that's a big, you seldom see him take the big, big hit. Um, uh, even though he's he's not very fast at all and never has been, um, just that pocket awareness that he has, um, it's it's just cool to be covering football and watching football in this era uh, when people are going to be talking about him uh, for the rest of 
the history of the game, you know, the rest of the game. So we're going to be talking about Tom Brady. So uh, it's fun, but it's inexplicable uh, what he's doing. Uh, but one, one thing, if I could kind of go back to Matthew Stafford on one thing, you mentioned the running game. I think it's so important that the Rams have a running game right now and work Cam Akers in with Sonny Michel because I think that allows them to limit the mistakes that Matthew Stafford might make. It takes away sure. that urge to, to uh, you know, third and manageable takes away that urge to make that hero shot we were talking about. So, so I think that is absolutely essential beyond opening up the spectrum of opportunities for those receivers by making defenses play you different because you can run the ball. Because uh, nobody's going to expect uh, Matthew Stafford to pull the ball down and run, although he does a little bit of that. And certainly nobody's going to expect Tom Brady to do that. Right, exactly. Well, let me ask you this, and then I got one question on golf since you've brought it up a couple times. I do have a question on golf. I wanted to ask you, uh, as you look at these playoffs, obviously uh, Green Bay had the bye. Um, they're going to play a San Francisco team that's got a battered quarterback but have been beating everybody, right? Um, they won in L.A. They went in Dallas. they got to go up there now uh, in uh, Frozen Lambeau and try to get that done up there. But just the playoffs in general, which teams – uh, are you uh, are you expecting to, to to power through and 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 who do you think is going to join you in uh, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles for the Super Bowl? Uh, that's uh, that's a great question. Uh, if I we would go through the games, sort of my thoughts on the games um, one by one. Um, Green Bay at San Francisco or San Francisco at Green Bay rather. Aaron Rodgers, I think he's zero three against the Forty ers in the playoffs. Uh, they've lost the last mm-hmm. two championship games in Green Bay. Um, Niners yep. are playing uh, really well now. Uh, Debo Samuel is really a hybrid running back receiver. Uh, he's bigger than any running back they have, any receiver they have. Uh, and yet, they're playing the Packers in Green Bay. I think Bakhtiari's coming back. They've got a corner coming back in, in the Packers. Um, the 49ers are really vulnerable at the corners. And if you look at what Devontae Adams was able to do uh, in this last game when they beat San Francisco 30-28 to earlier this season, it was pitch and catch with Aaron Rodgers. And I just feel like, man, I wouldn't want to have to beat Aaron Rodgers on his home turf in a uh, you know, primetime game with this on the line. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo um, is, is turnover prone. I mean – uh, he's played well yeah. uh, lately, but I just I like the Packers in that game. So a uh, close game, I yeah. like the Packers. Um, you look at Cincinnati and uh, Tennessee, um, you know, two great teams, and you look at the way that Joe Burrow has been with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and, and Joe Mixon, and that offense is so explosive. The one thing about Cincinnati uh, – their first, second, and third best defensive tackles are are either out or they're uh, severely hampered. And that's a real mm-hmm. problem against Tennessee. That was running the ball pretty well yeah. without Derrick Henry. Now gets Derrick Henry back. Now, Derrick Henry hasn't played since mm-hmm. Halloween, but, but he uh, uh, doesn't play in the preseason either So and, and gets right up to speed. Yeah. So 
that would be worrisome. And AJ Brown is is really tough. And, and you run Derrick Henry a little bit, and you get those crossing routes to Brown, and then maybe you hit Julio Jones deep. I just feel like yeah. uh, not having those defensive tackles is going to hurt Cincinnati, and, and I see Tennessee moving on. Um, yeah. Then you've got the Chiefs and and the Bills. Um, the Bills, I feel like, uh, as much as we talk about Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs uh, and Devin Singletary, uh, the Bills are about their defense. Uh, they have the number one defense, number one scoring defense. I think maybe the number one passing defense. They're they're great, and they they've obviously struggled to stop the run a little bit, but that wouldn't concern me as much with Kansas City. It feels to me like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are going to trade trade blows a little bit and that it's going to be determined by the yeah. defense. So I think this is the year that Buffalo knocks off Kansas City. Um, wow. And then the Rams, uh, Rams Bucks. And, you know, I think the Rams match up really well. I don't think this is the team the Bucks would have preferred to see. Um, I think it's right. going to come down to the Bucks with that uh, cobbled together offensive line, which I, you can tell me, uh, better how what kind of shape that offensive line is going to be in. Um, can it stop the pass rush enough so that Brady can exploit the sort of uh, mishmash they have at, at safety uh, with the Rams because they lost some key players. You know, they had to bring back 37, 38-year-old Eric Weddle to play safety for them. Um, and, you know, if you put – if you put – Jalen Ramsey on Mike Evans. Maybe say, say neutralize Mike Evans if you can. Easier said than done. Uh, then you've got uh, Gronk, you've got Cameron Bray, you've got O.J. Howard. and Are those safeties going to be able to cover those guys? And that will be the real test of that game. I, if I'm the Rams, and, you know, you know is Fournette going to be back? And, and what kind of what's the condition there and i just think it's going to be a really good game and uh it'll be a three-point game it feels like that to me at least uh one way or the other yeah a lot of question marks with the bucks health I, we're not sure if tristan Wirfs is going to play i think he will uh, i think he'll get treatment on that ankle you know um 20 hours a day if need be but uh, he'll at least go out there and try it um but they don't have a great solution yeah. if it doesn't happen and and the big the big hope is always tom brady tom brady and the fact that this team has averaged over 30 points a game at home. So I think it'll be a shootout either way, and I agree with you. I think it's going to be um, a, a pretty close game. Get you out on this one, Sam, and, and thanks again so much. I, I, you know, I watched an event. Um, it's been a couple weeks ago now, uh, and unbelievably, of course, no one's – you know, you followed Tiger Woods like no one else and, and the terrible accident he had out there in, on the West Coast. Um, but the event that he had with his son, Charlie, like just – that was incredible television, incredible theater for me. I don't know if Tiger Woods I, – I, look, I would never put a limitation on the guy. I don't think he's going to play a ton of events if he plays at all again. Um, but just your thoughts about, you know, it looks like there might be yet another chapter somewhere down the road that would involve Tiger and maybe even further down the road his son, which is just a, a terrific story just to watch those two interact together in that event. Yeah, I mean, what a time to be alive as a sports fan and to watch that. You know, I, I covered the Masters when, when Tiger won this last one and just how, what an amazing, yeah. uh, thrilling, uh, 
you know, goosebump experience that was, and, and especially for older guys. And then you had Phil Mickelson at 50 years old uh, winning the uh, PGA. It was pretty remarkable. But you had to watch Tiger's son. Uh, just the fact that Tiger is alive, just the fact that he's alive is um, yeah. is insane. It was uh, I did uh, we marshaled all our forces in the LA Times to cover that accident when it happened, and and yeah. it really uh, yeah. Uh, really felt like, boy, it's pretty amazing he survived that. And or, you know, you think about mm. the parallels to Ben Hogan and everything, but but uh, mm-hmm. you know, Tiger's an older guy, and uh, in terms of his career, watching his son is uh, is astounding. You see that swing, you see the mannerisms, you see how it just <laughs> he mimics his dad, and also just to watch young players like that who have such a pure swing yeah. I thought you know I've just wasted my life you know <laughs> I thought, yeah. what happened to me when you look at my swing uh, you know like it feels like Barkley you know with the disco move at the top of your swing and you're like how does a kid look so pure like that and and so easy yeah. make the game look so easy um it's fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch in the future, and and I wouldn't put it anything past Tiger Woods, um, you know, because he's already written up the script and torn it up and written it up again in ways that we wouldn't believe. So um, I'll get back to what a, what a time to be alive, to be a sports fan, to be a sports writer. Um, you know, these these are uh, living history we're watching. One of the best sports writers in the country. All you have to do is read him in the L.A. Times, and he's my friend, and I appreciate his time as always. Sam, when you get here, if we can hook up, uh, I can hook you up for dinner somewhere, give me a holler. If not, we will see you at Raymond James on Sunday, my man. Thank you so much, Rick. Anytime for you, buddy. I can't wait to see you. Looking forward to seeing my uh, friend Sam Farmer in the press box there at Raymond James Stadium. Always a good time that we have with him, and I appreciate him joining us. All right, Steve, so I'm, I tried my best to stay up and watch this hockey game the other night, and believe me, I didn't want to go to bed, but my, my body clock told me, turn it off. It, it, was, it was an amazing game. Of course, we knew going into it, uh, unbelievably, they only had four defensemen, four, right? And, and, and I think Victor Hedman played like 31, 32 minutes, which is unfathomable to me uh, that you could be on the ice as long as he was. This was an exciting game. It was back and forth. Uh, when I turned it off, I believe it was uh, 4-3 Lightning, I want to say, or 3-3, 4-3, something like that. And, uh, of course, the Lightning wind up winning. But you can speak to just what an accomplishment it was to win a game with just four defensemen in the lineup. Yeah, so the way the NHL works is the Lightning are right at the salary cap. They have no wiggle room whatsoever. So if players get hurt, they're still on your roster. So they count towards your salary cap. So you cannot call a player up for an emergency basis until you've played short a game. So you've seen this before where maybe the Lightning have 11 forwards because they have a forward hurt. And they have to play short a game Mm -hmm. before they're allowed to call a player up on an emergency basis, which does not impact your salary cap. Well, the Lightning ended up with only four healthy defensemen, not five. We've seen a few Mm -hmm. teams occasionally you know, only dress five defensemen because they're short. The Lightning ended up with... You know, Bogosian's out a couple weeks. McDonough was – or uh, not McDonough. Chernak was still out, and Jan Ruda was out. 
So they had four healthy defensemen instead of six. So they had to play short a game with four defensemen, which is no one can remember a time that's happening. I remember Brian Engblom on the, the telecast was, you know, he was a defenseman in the league, and he says, you know, I'm not starting a game with four. I mean, we've ended games with four before because players get hurt or whatever. But to start yeah. a game with four defensemen is is something that I don't remember seeing. And, you know, Victor Hedman mentioned he was excited about it. He said he couldn't. He had trouble napping before the game because he was excited because he's going to get to play a ton. And, you know, and he made a joke also in his press conference that it made it really easy on Rob Zettler, who runs the defenses. I mean, you know, which which pair do you send out next? Well, the only pair sitting on the bench. <laughs> you know, the line changes are pretty easy for the defense. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, but, I mean, talk about a workload. Like, I, physically, I, I don't – they got through the game, and, and they're going to be some tired guys. But, mm-hmm. you know, Hedman said he was excited to see what he could do. He had a heck of a game. He had three points, I think. Of course, the first goal was his. Yeah, two goals. On sort of a breakaway. Two goals. I'm sorry. Yeah, two goals. Um, so it, it, it was a great night for them and for the Lightning. I'm not sure they ever want to do it again, and, and hopefully they never will have to. Um, but this just this kind of keeps in a theme with, like, what Stamkos said about, you know, sort of, I don't know what his phrasing is. is the it Tampa the, Bay findaways. Uh, the findaways, yeah. They're the findaways. They, they do. They, they absolutely find a way to win. Um, wasn't an easy game. And they gave up a lot of goals. Obviously, uh, 6-4 is not the usual score you'll see uh, in Lightning games necessarily. But, uh, it, you know, it, it was it was entertaining. And, and, you know, you're on the West Coast and, and you, you know, you do. You find you give that you get those two points, and there are some games that those two points seem more valuable than others. And this was one of them because you were backed up the way you were with just the four defensemen, and it was just a great effort. And all the big players played big, and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. There was some fight. I mean, there was like I said, I hated to turn it off, but I just I wasn't able to hang in there. So uh, it was fun watching the highlights, uh, you know, in the morning. But uh, what a win by the Lightning! And so they continue their. West Coast swing. They've still got a couple games mm-hmm. uh, out there as well. The NHL also announced the makeup games, uh, the three postponed games the Lightning have. have. Uh, they'll make it up during that Olympic break, so to speak, which is no longer a break. So mm-hmm. they'll go to Colorado, Arizona, back-to-back days on February 10th and 11th. Then they'll be in New Jersey on February 15th. So those three road games will be made up during that. The rest of the time they'll have off. So February is a pretty light month still for the Lightning. A lot of teams have eight to ten games to make up, the Lightning only three. They also, the last two wow. games of the season, uh, they were supposed to go to the Islanders and then the Blue Jackets. They swapped them, so now it's the Blue Jackets first, then the Islanders. But same days, uh, just swap the two sites, basically, uh, for their last two games of the season. So Lightning schedule changes are out. Uh, they're halfway through the season now. They have 59 points at the halfway mark of the season, which would give them 118 points if they keep this pace up, which crazy you know what a few years ago that record pace was what was 128 they're only 10 points off that pace from when they set the the <laughs> you know the all-time records now they've got several west coast trips they got a long california or the western canada six game road trip coming up uh they got a lot of road games coming up in march you know the schedule doesn't get easier in that regard so you know we'll see if they can keep up this pace but halfway through the season 27, 9, and 5. I think it's their third best record through the halfway mark ever. They just keep doing it, man. And and, and it's not even the post where they really thrive, when they really get it together. So, um, you know, you still have a bunch of players missing. You, you haven't had 
point and, and Kucherov together all that long. Stamkos continues to play great. And, of course, Hedman and Vasilevsky have been outstanding. So it's a entertaining hockey, and I don't know how long they can keep this going, but um, Tampa Bay fans are spoiled when it comes to hockey right now. This is like the best franchise in sport right now for consistency and staying on top of their game. It's been really fun to watch. I got a couple of really excited girls in this house that won't miss a game, so it's a heck of a lot of fun. Tomorrow we're going to talk about uh, the Bucks, of course, against the Rams. This is going to be, uh, I think, one of the most entertaining games of the weekend. Of course, we're down to the final eight teams, and it just gets harder from here. Uh, you, you know, we're going to. Uh, you heard Sam Farmer talk about the San Francisco Green Bay game. I, I actually think that San Francisco has a bit of a chance. Garoppolo will have to play great. I do want to see if the Packers can stop the run, but I would agree with him uh, that they're going to have trouble, uh, you know, stopping Adams and and and, uh, and Aaron Rodgers. So uh, that's going to be a great one. But this one here in Tampa on Sunday, we'll talk about it tomorrow. I think is going to be one of the classics. Uh, if the if the Bucks can somehow spackle together some protection for Tom Brady against that really really good Rams defensive line, this will not be uh, an easy task at all, uh, given the injuries that they have. Finally. Uh, it's, it's too bad, right? Because it was the one unit that had been healthy the entire season, and then boom, you get Ryan Jensen, you get Tristan Wirfs go down in the same game. Jensen came back. I think he'll be okay. It's really up to Wirfs whether or not he can get out there or not. Uh, folks, uh, remember also the 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg presented by RP Funding is going to happen this year, February 25th to the 27th. Make sure you check out this event and go visit gpstpete.com for all your race information and tickets. For Steve Burstyn, Governor Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 